All right, we're in the book of Proverbs tonight, and we'll just speak for just a few minutes as we focus a little bit about the family on things that parents should have in us and things we should pass on to our children. Those of you who have uh, already finished raising your kids, bear with us. We need this help. Uh, all of us need this. I, I love to see the young couples that have been married in the last year or two still faithfully attending. I see them in the balcony. I see them on the ground floor. I love to see young families that say, you know what? we got little kids. It's difficult to go back to Crown Point, get them all ready, get naps, and come all the way back down to Hammond. But they do it week after week and uh, uh, Sunday night after Sunday night. You'll be glad you did that. You'll be glad that you did that. You stood for the Lord. And, but children are very important to the Lord, and the family unit is very important to God. It's his first institution he created. Solomon, his parents got together under very sordid and wicked circumstances. They committed adultery. His older sibling passed away as a part of God's judgment. But the Lord gave David and Bathsheba the son Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, Last night, our kids and Linda and I got together and we read Ecclesiastes 11 and 12, where it talks about cast your bread upon the waters and it will turn back into you and, and uh, diversify your investments. And he tells you, just keep investing and, and understand certain things are going to go the way that they go. And a lot of things you're not going to understand, but be faithful and trust the Lord. And at the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandment. This is the whole duty of man. He wrote that, but he was really became a wise fool. Though he was the wisest man to ever live, he became an idiot. He, he, did, he threw all the good things that he had been given to him from God and really uh, pursued them in a wrong way. He tried to find fulfillment in money and fame and, and activities and fun and drink and alcohol and women and uh, he did it with travel and with property and horses and entertainment. And he found out that everything done without God under the sun is vanity and vexation of spirit. But when he was young, we believe that God inspired him and he said many pithy sayings and proverbs. Some of which he wrote out, some of which were written out by others. Probably Proverbs 31 was written by his mother. And uh, Bathsheba possibly wrote that, who can find a virtuous woman and, and uh, things of that nature. But he does give us a lot of things that we as parents need to get a checkup from the neck up and make sure that we have them in us and that we are conveying them to our children. Sunday school teachers, you need to have this in you. Um, staff members, whether we're on the platform or we, uh, we turn wrenches someplace or type papers someplace in the ministry or teach. And Hammond Baptist teachers, City Baptist teachers, Hiles Anderson College faculty and staff, maintenance folks, all of us, we all need this in us. There's some things that he says from a father to a son. And the Bible tells us, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nothing quite provokes a child to wrath. And Brother Dan uh, or Brother Johnson's written an entire book on this and got a good book on child rearing. Like an inconsistent example. 
Whenever we are not, we're hypocritical, we're inconsistent, we, it fires people up. When we, are, we say one thing, we do another thing. But here are some things I feel like are important, I'm just going to give it to you now. If you're a child, you don't, tonight you want to stay awake and pay attention, because I'm talking to you. There are things that if you say, well, my mom and dad don't even come to this church, well, you need to learn these things on your own. For just a few days, you're going to be a daddy, or you're going to be a mama, and you're going to need to know these things. And if they're in you first, then they're much easier transferred to your children. Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and the things that, uh, that you have seen in me, do it. He tells them that, but he also says, thou hast fully known my doctrine, what I believed, my manner of life, how I lived. You've known how I've loved. You've known how I've had faith. You've known how I was persecuted and I kept on going in my perseverance. Well, how do you know that? Because he saw it. Monkey see, monkey do. Sometimes they see, what they see in us is far louder than what they hear from our lips. But all these things are important. They're just a, it's just a, what we're going to talk about tonight in verses 19 and 26 is just a microcosm of what all of Proverbs is. And I, I think it's some helpful things that I'm rattling my own cage as a dad of a 29-year-old and a 10-year-old. And so I've got a large spectrum and, and then uh, learning some things in my own life. And as I have the joy of pastoring this church and watching our young people, I was so blessed yesterday to look over here to my left section and see just uh, scores of young people come in. I watched guys wrestle on Friday night, but they were in soul winning meeting on Saturday morning. Watched guys playing basketball, but they were over here. I see them getting ready for fine arts and playing bells, but they're over here getting ready to learn how to be a good soul winner, and that's important. Stopped Brother Ricky Torres this week, and I asked him, hey, you want to take lunch on, on Wednesday? He goes, Pastor, Wednesdays are my hardest day. I've got chapel today, I've got, I've got finals to grade, and I've got to go take the teens, the Chicagoland teens, soul winning. He said, probably ought to take not, not be able to do it today. thought to myself, that is a blessing that somebody is working with their young people and loving them and helping them. We've got some great young people. All of us could, there's the biggest room in First Baptist Church is room for improvement. <laughs> and we can make things a lot better. But let's just take a dive into these verses real quickly. I want you to notice, if you would please, in chapter 23, the whole chapter is fantastic, but look verse number 13, would you please? Withhold not correction from a child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Every child needs to be confronted. They need to be disciplined. They need to be chastened. They need to be dealt with. That's why God gave them a mom. That's why he gave them a dad, and all of them need that, and especially early on in their life. You, you do your work before they're four, and they won't break your heart when they're 14. Sometimes we say, well, you know, I'm going to wait till they can talk and walk and then Sunday school and then junior. I'll, read, I'll do devotions when they're, when, they're, when they're in grade school. Way too late. No, I'm going to work in their early days, and then, we'll, then I'll maybe take off work and do something. Boy, you might want to give those early months, those early years of instruction and love and help to those young people. He said, go ahead and discipline them. Go ahead and, and correct them and encourage them. And, and I, I remember not too long ago, my wife said to me, said, remember this? And it's a paddle. You know, I said, I used to have one on every door eve, you know, everywhere I went, you know. And we never went on vacation or got in the car without one because we would need it. 
No, but now it's been a long time, and poor old Lacey's spoiled rotten, you know. And uh, Mrs. Colson always reminds me, she's the youngest of eight, so she knows about being spoiled over there, so... But boy, take time to love, and, and it takes time to love your kids, to teach them, to discipline them. Here are a few things. Verse number 19, the first thing I would encourage every one of us to have in us and to train our children to do, and I want you to look at the first word in verse 19. What does it say? Hear. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. The first thing I think we ought to do with our children is teach them to listen. Teach them to pay attention. You know, kids can learn to do that in church. They can learn how to sit still and be quiet and give attention with their eyes, with their ears. It won't be a walk in the park, but it's possible. may not mean you sit down in front. You might sit a little bit in the back. You may have to take out a couple times and come back and have a little powwow where you do the powwowing, they do the wowing. <laughs> and you come back in, let's try it again. But the truth of the matter is that we need to teach our children. Listen, look, if you would, please, at verse number 22 in that same passage. The Bible says, hearken to thy father that beget thee. Learning to listen. James 1, 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 1, hear, children, the instruction of thy father. All of us could get a real lesson on making sure we listen. We live in a day and age where we're used to the screen changing. You want to watch a commercial? You can watch a 30-second commercial, and probably, I don't think I'm exaggerating if I say, if it's a 30-second commercial, there are at least 20 to 40 different views of this vehicle they're trying to sell you in 30 seconds. It just changes quick, changes quick, changes quick. We're very used to having everything change on us so quick, and they can't, even, they can't even do a commercial without just hundreds of views of something oftentimes. Every kind of a movie or show, if you ever, if you ever watch an older uh, video of even of Andy Griffith or something, you see the slowness compared to what they do now. Things just go quick. There's not a, there's not a dead time hardly ever, unless it's in those dumb Hallmark movies or something like that. Then they just stand there and look at each other. I, I was like, what is this, you know? It all ends the same, I think. <laughs> Girls are all crying on the couch. That's what I know about. Nonetheless, we need to learn to listen. Children, when someone's talking to you, look at them. Put your eyes on their eyes and listen to them. Pay attention. Don't, don't play on your phone. Some of us, we're adults, and we can't hardly keep our phone out of our lap in the middle of a church service. Getting things and trying to find out what's going on, and we can't focus. I think one of the greatest things we can do is learn to listen. Young people in college, in high school, learn to listen with attention. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your ears. Listen with understanding. Often as we're doing something else while we're doing it. And I've been guilty of that many times. However, he says, I want you to hear, my son. Learn to listen. Number two, I want you to notice, if you would please, the next verse, and the Bible tells him. He says, be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. 
Would you look, if you would, please, back at the um, beginning of the chapter, chapter 23, verse number 1. Would you look there? Back up there. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligent what is before thee. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to what? Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. The challenge here, I think, is uh, very, very important for all of us to learn. And that is, uh, is dealing with our appetites and also our associations. You can't lay with dogs and not get fleas. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the Bible is extremely clear on this. He tells us that be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You hang around the wrong kind of people, it will affect your conduct. It will affect what you do. Moms and dads, we need to be interested in who the friends of our children are. Who is influencing them? We have these podcasts, and everybody and their mother wants to grow something out of their ear and listening to all the time. And these little AirPods and things of that nature, and we don't know exactly what's going on. And we need to ask God to give us wisdom, because what's going on there will affect their behavior. It will affect their responsiveness. Protecting their influence. He said, now be not among wine-bibbers or rider-eaters of the flesh. Because oftentimes our young people, there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with a skateboard. But the skateboard culture that's in the world is as, every Christian young man will be as far away from that as possible. Growing, young, growing your hair long, sagging your britches down, uh, just uh, looking, looking like whatever. Nothing wrong with a skateboard. That takes you to a different thing. You know, all these uh, extreme sports and things of that nature. And you can see that the young men, the young ladies participating have no interest in the things of God. Farther away from that. Oftentimes we be careful who you hang around. So, well, I don't, I don't hang around bad people, but you entertain yourself. Some of the things we shouldn't even entertain ourselves with. God said the things of this world, they should not... The things that should not have been spoken of them, of the wicked things that are done in secret. Be careful who you hang around. And by the way, young men, young ladies, if your dad tells you something, your mom tells you something, don't be an idiot. Don't be a scorner. Receive a rebuke and say, thank you. I've had, uh, of course, nine children, so and I was a kid, and I knew what it was like, and my dad probably was one of the more... Um, protective, and I wouldn't say overbearing, but he was extremely, he knew every kid in our high school. He knew every kid in the youth group. He knew them by name. And if he didn't know them, he'd find out about them, and he would say, you've been hanging around Michael, haven't you? I said, no, no Dad. I said, son, you have. Stay away from Michael. And uh, he was not a bad, I said, Dad, he's not a bad person. He said, honey, stay away from him. Well, Michael has since been in and out of jail his entire adult life, multiple marriages. My dad saw something I didn't see. Your parents see something you don't see. But you need to be careful who you hang around. You hang around drunkards and people who talk about alcohol, they're going to be a drunk. You hang around some fun, all they can think about is just appetites that they have developed. Always want to show you some new thing, and everything is always a little bit sketchy or, care, or uh, questionable. Get away from that person. So much of the Christian life will be, long-term success will be 
decided based upon what you, who you hang around, who you allow to influence you. Solomon, a wise father, says, listen, number one, learn to listen. Number two, guard your influences. Be careful who you listen to. Look at the next one. I'm going to quickly give you this illustration. I had a young man. His name was Edgar. And I remember seeing Edgar, and his dad was very concerned about him. His dad and mom were, I felt like, very godly people. They weren't perfect. I knew they had problems sometimes in their homes, and everything wasn't ideal, but they were good people. They were faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. And I remember him, at one time, he was, he was all in. He was all in. Junior high was all in. High school, 9th, 10th grade was all in. But 11th grade, 12th grade, he began to hang around questionable people. I remember going out into the alley of First Baptist Church of Long Beach, and I said to him, Edgar, watch your friends. He said, Pastor, these guys are cool. He said, don't worry. I, I know. I know me, and I know they're cool. They're all right. I don't know. They don't go to church and stuff, but they're cool i never forget the day I got called from his dad, and he met me, and I met him. He said, Edgar's in jail. I said, what happened? He said, he was riding with those cool kids, and one of them pulled out a gun and shot somebody, and, and, and I don't know if it killed him or not, but it was attempted murder. And the police found, they started chasing them, and all the other guys got away. But Edgar got stuck with it. He felt he was pretty good because he was going to, he didn't have the gun. There was, no, there was no, no handprints on that, nothing like that. And I remember him saying to his dad, don't worry, dad. I didn't do anything. I was, you know, I didn't do anything, so I'll be out. Until he got notifi- notified by those cool kids who were part of the gang and the, and the, uh, the Latin kings. And they said, if you rat us out, we're going to kill your little sister. He had a beautiful little sister. She was in her children's choir. And uh, Edgar spent seven years of his life because of that threat. Because he, we hung around the wrong kind of people. I remember writing him in jail back and forth. He'd write me, I'd write him. It just seems like the months went by like decades. And I thought to myself, here he is, in jail, innocent, for seven years because he hung around the wrong kind of people. And that's true in Edgar's life. That could be true in your life. And I don't care if you're 17 or 71. We all got to watch our influences. Be careful who you hang around. Guard your influences. Let's look at verse number 21. The Bible says, for the the drunkard and the glutton, will come to poverty. We don't talk too much about overeating and glutton and always everything has to be food, but that is a problem. And it's a problem in this room. It's been a problem in my life and it's a problem in some of our lives. And we need to really face it, confess it, forsake it, and ask God to help us with that. We said, the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness will close a man with rags. And I want to give you the next thought I think we need to teach and kids need to learn, and that is diligence. Learn to be diligent. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. One of the greatest motivations for work is hunger. If the guy holding the sign long enough gets hungry enough, he'll put his sign down and go collect cans or do something else. 
When you, the Bible tells us if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. The Bible tells us, go to the ant, thou sluggard. In Proverbs chapter 6, consider her ways, which having no guide or overseer, provides her food in the summer, her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? And when will you rise out of your sleep? A little slump, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to sleep. Show, so shall your poverty come as one that travels, and your wants as an armed man. One of the things I want to just say, just very parenthetically, I sure thank God for the resourceful, hardworking people in this church. I was taking our son Derek back to the airport after a quick visit over Christmas. And that Wednesday morning as I drove he and our daughter-in-law Jillian back to the airport, he said, Dad, he said, just being at First Baptist over the weekend and just talking to the people, he said, Dad, I, one thing I admire greatly about First Baptist, and I'm so glad that God moved us, because I think we learned this from them, is that they are very resourceful, hardworking, and generous people. So I don't know if it's just the way of life in California, a little bit different, not that there aren't hardworking people, he said, but it's just, there's, there's a lot of dead time and little, you know, kind of just, a, but I find that the people of First Baptist Church, Dad, they really are hardworking and efficient and diligent people. And I, I see it in Preston, and I see it in Lydia, and I see it in Drew and Coleman and uh, Judson and Mason and Lacey. And I think it's really good that they're exposed to the good people of this church. And I'd just like to say thank God for that. The Bible says, seest thou a man diligent in his business? He'll stand before a king and not stand before mean men. You know how great Sunday school classes are built? Someone's willing to work. A lazy Sunday school teacher will not care for his people, will not reach new people. Bus workers, bus captains, keep working. It is the work of the ministry. Gary Player was a PGA golf champion at one time, and I think he plays maybe the seniors, but he, he was hitting this golf ball one day, and he just kept hitting hundreds of them on the uh, driving range. And one of the guys in the gallery behind him said, that guy is so lucky. Look at him hit that ball. And he put the ball on the tee again. He said, the harder I work, ding, the luckier I get. And he kept on working hard. You know, most everybody's successful. Oh, they're lucky, they're lucky, they're lucky. Usually behind all that luck is somebody's got some elbow grease. You see people playing the instruments here, and you see people play a piano. And I, I can't hardly think of watching someone play the piano without thinking, thank you for the years of practice. Thank God for that mom and dad who paid for piano lessons and flute lessons and, and trumpet lessons and all the work that went into that and the time when they could have been out playing football, they're blowing on their horn. Time they could be doing something else, they're practicing at the piano. It's work, it's diligence. And all of us need to continue to continue to work hard and be a diligent, a diligent person. Diligent people really do infuse great energy into an organization. Lazy people drain. They just drain their relationships. And I thank God for that. I, I, I was remembering, and I, when I see staff members come and go, and I didn't, would have never thought I had the opportunity to interact with so many staff members back when I became a, a servant of Christ at City Baptist years ago under Brother, Rung's, Brother Young's leadership and Brother Douglas's leadership, and then go to Long Beach, and then to Baton Rouge, and then back to Long Beach, and here. But one attribute that's just that's unmistakably needed in every 
that's invaluable is diligence. People that are willing to get it done. People who will, who not, they're not afraid of work. They get, they get with it. Young people, you listen to me. Some of you have a streak of laziness. You're always looking for the easy way. Always want to make the fast buck. Always trying to find some investment scheme that just makes sense. Some of us adults are this way. Find and make an easy dollar. And uh, you've listened to multiple podcasts, and there is some wisdom in, in, in working smart instead of just hard. Boy, all of us need to make sure that we're not doing it at the expense of laziness. Just wanting to have a lazy life. Hard work is very biblical. Jesus worked hard. Jesus said it. He goes, I work and my father works. He said in John chapter 9, I must work the works of him who sent me while his day, the night cometh when no man can work. Little girls in this room, work hard. Keep a clean house. Take care of your bed. Fold your clothes. Do the simple things. And by the way, moms and dads help that to take place. If trash gets taken out, young people, you don't make your mom do that. You do it. See the need and take the lead. You see something needs to be done, don't be told to do it. Boy, if someone, there's four, someone said there's four types of workers, people that see something needs to be done, they do it. They just see it, need to be done. If you go, if you go to McDonald's and you, uh, you try to get a job at McDonald's, if you're a number one worker, you see the need and you take the lead, uh, you, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna excel. Another kind of worker is someone, you tell them what to do, they'll do it, and they'll come back and say, what else do you want me to do? There's somebody that, that they just come back and they, they, do, they do have that character, but they just, you know, you can say, listen, I want you to go clean up those tables over there and take care of that. And they'll, come, they'll do that and they'll come back and they'll walk over six French fries on the way to you and say, is there anything else you want me to do? How about getting those fries? Oh, yeah, I'll do that right there. And they just, they, they don't see the, the things. And by the way, those are things we get to learn. There's some people, you tell them to do something and you tell them to do it. They may or may not get it done, but then you have to go find them like Casper the Friendly Ghost. You know, they don't come back. You find them over in a building looking at their cell phone. <laughs> By the way, listen, if you're working someplace and they don't want you to have your cell phone, well, you might put your cell phone in your truck, in your car, and work while you're working. It'd be a good idea. Young people, it grieves me have a bad testimony at work. Some of you, you, ha you work at places because someone before you worked hard. And you're in a breakneck pace to destroy the testimony for the people that come after you. Because you're smart mouth, you're purloining, you're stealing time, you're not being responsible. If that's you, knock it off. Be diligent. Be a number one worker. See something needs to be done and say, you know, what can I do to make this? I remember years ago learning this from, um, from our teacher at the college and he said, you know, God blessed Egypt because of Joseph. Remember hearing that in an Old Testament survey. I said, man, that's good. He said, God can bless your workplace because of you. And boy, I took that seriously. I remember going with Brother John Francis. He and I would share our same carpool to our workplace. I remember sitting in the car, getting ready. I was pulling into Jefferson Street there and and pull in there, and I would just pray that prayer. I'd say, God, would you bless this company because I work here? Would you make it a, a better shift? Would you make things better because I work here? Not only for the benefit and the profit of my company, but for the good of my supervisor, because I wanted my supervisor to get saved. 
To my knowledge, he's not gotten saved, but uh, I'm praying that he will. But I say, I want him to be a good testimony. When he thinks about a Christian, I want him to think about me. When someone gives him the gospel, I want to say, you know, I had a guy like that talk to me. I remember sitting down at the break room, going over the gospel, taking my little Gideon's New Testament and going with my supervisor. All right, John, that's good, you know, and probably something to think about, but I'm not ready yet. But I said, boy, when you're ready, I hope you'll know what to do when you come to this time. But I think if I'd have been lazy and, boy, God taught me, hey, listen, pray every time that God will bless your company because you work there. Learn diligence. It's something we need to model and it's something we need to instill in our young people. Learn to listen. Guard your influences. Be diligent. Let's look at the next one quickly, if we can, please. The Bible says in verse number 22, Hearken unto thy father which beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. I think if you could look at the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5, you would see that God tells us that we have a responsibility to requite our, our mothers and fathers and our aging family members. And this has to be taught. You young people, you're getting ready to get married, you ought to have that conversation. What about when dad and mom get old? He's, oh yeah, my parents are only 50. What about when they're 80? What's going to happen there? I think this is very important. The Bible tells us, and I think it's good for us to look at it. This will be the last thing I'll talk to you about tonight, but let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Can we turn there, please? Take your Bibles, turn there, please. Foot fire, move, move. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul is teaching Timothy how to behave himself as a Christian in the house of God. And he, he's telling them, and, and uh, in verse number, verse number three, honor widows that are widows indeed. First Timothy chapter five. Now we're looking at verse number four. Read it out loud with me, would you everybody? Read it with me if you would, please. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and requite their parents. Very good. Now in verse number eight, can you look down there if you would, please? But if any provide not for his own, he's not talking about his little kids that, that uh, under his feet. He's talking in context about his elderly loved ones. And specifically for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Verse number 16, did you look at that? If any man or woman that believeth have widows, elderly family members in particular, women who've lost their husbands, let them relieve them, let them help them, take care of them. And let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. God's given us some teaching here, and it's the same thing. He said, don't forget your mom when your mom is old. Don't forget your dad when your dad is old. And this is something that everybody needs to get their bell rung on. If you have an aging mother or father, aunt or uncle, uh, God says if you're a nephew, especially in the man, but you ought to be willing to love and help your aging parents when they get to that stage. Requite them. He says, show piety at home. I don't care how well you can preach a message or you can fill a bus or you can teach a Sunday class or type a paper or sing a song or play an instrument. Real Christianity goes, will I be willing to take care of aging? And sometimes you have to put your life on hold. I saw this played out yesterday in a, in a funeral for Miss Marguerite Gallagher. 
For the last 19 years, Rose Shepherd and her husband Sam have taken care of their parents. They haven't done the vacations they'd like to go. They haven't gone places. They haven't done the cruises. They haven't done a lot of things that they would love to do because they've been caring for their aging parents. I think that shows true piety at home. The Bible says if a man doesn't take care of his elderly loved ones, his elderly mom and dad, he is denied the faith and is worse than an atheist. I don't know about you, but that's not a group I want to be in. But this is something we need to be taught. Many people in the Eastern cultures get this. In our Western cultures, in a materialistic society, we oftentimes forget about that. I think about Brother Mrs. Cowling taking care of, of Mrs. Cowling's mother until 105, 100, 106. Big show-offs. That beautiful lady... But, you know, a lot of things had to be calculated. It wasn't just taking care of Brother Mrs. Cowling. It was taking care of Miss White down in the basement, taking care of her needs, making sure, not just feeding us, but feeding her. Not just checking us, but checking her. And those are great testimonies. And sometimes that puts us out of our comfort zone, but it's only right to requite your parents. Remember when you couldn't find your pie hole? <laughs> they did it. Well, your mama and your daddy may not be able to find theirs one day. You say, well, I'll just hire somebody. Well, I, I'm telling you, that's, that's okay. But if, you're gonna, if, if there, there are some physical needs that you can't do, there are some things you have to decide, but don't ever substitute hired help for something you can do. I think so many of us, we're just, we, just, we think we're all that in a bag of chips and we're busy and all this other stuff, and we're really just irresponsible and carnal because true Christianity oftentimes reveals itself in my care for our aging family. These are just the four things. There's a number of other things I hope you'll keep reading. We may talk about on the 31st of this month. Next week, Brother Larry Brown will be with us. But be diligent. Be hardworking. Take care of your aging family members. Guard your relationships and learn to listen. These are things that all of us could, uh, could apply even more so today.